0: Hey, I'm Ken, I'm the pastor here at FBC Lantana. And, and whether you join us for Church Online Live with us this morning, or whether you watch On Demand and watching this video later, I just wanna say thank you for joining us and making us a part of your day. You know, and, and whether you're watching us live or On Demand, I just wanna say, make sure this doesn't replace you being connected to a local church you know, where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. And I know you may not live in our area, so you can't make us your church as much as we would love it. uh, Make sure you get connected to a local church somewhere. And I hope this sermon is a blessing to you and that it encourages you and strengthens your walk with Jesus. So we're in week two of our series, rebrand, um, reband, rebrand, refocus our mission um, here in the church and refocus what we're looking at, how, how we should be moving forward. And, and you remember last and we talked about the church in Corinth. We, we talked about how the apostle Paul wrote this letter because they had an identity problem. The the Corinthian church had this identity problem where where the people were, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Cephas or Peter. And, And then even some were saying, well, I follow Jesus. But they weren't following Jesus as in being a Christ follower. Them identifying themselves with these other people was to build themselves up and make themselves like they were bigger and better than somebody else. And as we looked through this, we found out that we ourselves can have that same identity problem. We can have an identity issue ourselves. And you think about when we start to identify, or we start to brand ourselves with different preachers or organizations, ideologies, whether it's a political candidate, whether it's a political party, diet plans, fitness regiments. man-made customs and traditions inside the church, whatever it could be, when we start to actually look at them and we defend these things that are not of God, they become our identity and they become a problem with our walk as a Christian and it becomes a problem with the church itself, with the body of Christ. When we're too busy identifying on certain things instead of identifying on Jesus and what he's done for us, we get this identity problem. And then people on the outside start looking and go, I don't want what they have. Man, I don't want to be that. I'm better off living in sin because all they do is fight with each other. They can't even come together on who Jesus is. Because we end up with this identity problem as we go through this this life and as we go through trying to rebrand or make ourselves, you know, a lot of churches are trying to rebrand themselves like they're McDonald's. Yeah, I need to get more customers inside the church. Well, none of you are customers. Each one of us are souls and each one of us were lost souls at some time or another but so many people want to make it about consumerism instead of about what it is. It's about coming together as the body of Christ and doing what God calls us to do. So we don't need to rebrand. And I said that last week. I don't think we need to rebrand. I think we need to refocus. You know, we need to refocus. And today, the one thing I want to look at is I think we need to reclaim. We need to, we must reclaim the historic Christian expressions of prayer, generosity, and evangelism. That's what we need to do. We need to reclaim it. Reclaim historic Christian expressions of prayer, generosity, and evangelism. So today and for the next weeks after this, we're going to be in the book of Acts. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. And the reason we're going to the book of Acts is the book of Acts tells the story of the church at the beginning. It tells how the church began and what the church did, and it tells about the acts of the apostles. So basically by looking at the book of Acts, we're looking at the first pages of history of the church. Not what the church has become, but what the church was how the church originally started and what the church should be doing instead of what the church or the body of Christ is doing. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 23 through 35. As a reminder, if you don't have a Bible with you, there is one, uh, there's one in the back of the pew, but also the words will be up here on the screen and if you joined us for Church Online, hey, let's give a big shout-out to all those watching Church Online this morning. Thank you for joining us. Hey, we appreciate you, you joining us for Church Online. You know, you're, you're still here with us. You're, you're church with us. And we thank you for that. But one thing I always say, don't let it stop you from being connected to a local church. You know, it's nice to be able to sit home sometimes, and relax on the couch, and maybe still be in pajamas, and, and watch church. But don't let it be re, replace you being connected inside the body of Christ. You know, it, it's inside this body of Christ when we come together that we're able to work on our relationship with Jesus and with others. So we appreciate y'all being there. We love you guys. We got some faithful followers who join us each week for church online, and we truly appreciate it. And but Don't let it stop you from being connected someplace, you know, and and whether it's even through Zoom Bible studies or Zoom life groups, stay connected um, wherever you can. Amen? All right, let's dig into the word. Acts chapter four, verses 23 through 35. It says, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your words with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were filled, all filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on all of them. For, all the, uh, for there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought all the proceeds of what they sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need." Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word this morning, Lord, Lord, we ask that you open up our eyes, that we may see what it is you want us to see. Lord, open our ears so that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may my words be yours, and may your name be glorified. And we'll make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so one of the first things that I want us to look at and kind of an application for today would be this. Effective prayer, generosity, and evangelism should be present as we live out our faithful presence in our church and community. And I think this is what we're going to see today exactly that, that they had effective prayer, they had generosity, and they evangelized. And and it was present while they lived their life, both inside the church and inside the community. And I think that's something that we should also be looking to do as the church and as the body of Christ. Now, now, before we dig in, I want to kind of give you a little backstory of what happened just prior to these verses to, that we read this morning. And what had happened is Peter and John were out teaching and they come upon a lame man who was at the temple gates and they healed him. So now he could walk. And all of the people who saw this, all of Jerusalem was really coming and they just wanted to learn, you know, and, and hear what the uh, disciples had to say and peter and john were preaching boldly of jesus on the crucifixion and they were having thousands upon thousands of people join the church it was a great movement of what was going on well of course when this started going on the religious elitists didn't like what they were didn't like what was going on so they arrested peter and john So they arrested them, and then they took them to trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And in front of the Sanhedrin, Peter and John preached the gospel. Preached the gospel while on trial for preaching the gospel. And the Sanhedrin basically got together and decided, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll just come up with this decision. And they told Peter and John that you're no longer allowed to preach in the name of Jesus. You're no longer allowed to preach the name of Jesus, and you can go ahead and go. Well, that didn't work too well, did it? (laughs) But I think what's interesting is it says that when the meeting was over, the disciples returned to the place where the church had gathered. So you think about it. The two things we see in verse 23 and 24 is it says they went back to their own people. So they went back to where the people would be, which means... The people must have been in one place. And odds are because Peter and John were in prison. They were probably together in wherever they gathered for the church and were probably praying for their leaders. So Peter and John knew exactly where to go to find the people and tell them all that happened. Now, the next interesting thing is when he heard this, what'd they do? They raised their voices together to God. They came together and they raised their voices to God. So they knew exactly where they were. And I think it's interesting because kind of what that tells me is they didn't forsake meeting together, like it says in Hebrews 10.25. You know, in, in the U.S. today, the average churchgoer shows up for church once a month. Now, I want to tell you, looking across this room, you guys all beat that statistic by a lot. (laughs) But the average person only goes to church, only goes to church once a month. And I mean, even we've got church online. We have people who are online faithful every week. But there are people who will make excuses not to come to church. And still making excuses from a year ago with the pandemic of, we can't go to church because of this, this, and this, but you'll see them in publics, or you'll see them in a restaurant, but they won't come to church because they'll make this excuse. The early church was together praying for their leadership. They were together, and they knew exactly, Peter and John knew exactly where to go to find them. <coughs> Think about even last week, I said the the Barnett group had done a study and one of the things they said was Americans are attending church less and more people are experiencing and practicing their faith outside of its four walls. Church online will never go away. Church buildings will never go away. The body of Christ will live for eternity together. So we need to make sure we continue to meet together just like the early church met together. I think it's interesting that... I'm going to stop with the come to church thing. <laughs> Get back to the message. Uh, I think it's interesting. You, you saw that Peter and John came to them and, and basically what happened is this worship service broke out. There, there was this worship service that broke out and... and They started praying. They they started praying, and when they finished, God answered their prayer. Verse 31 says this. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. They prayed with boldness. Unfortunately, in our life, I think what happens is we get shaken because of something that's happening. We we get shaken because of of a job or this or that, you know, or, or school's a little bit too hard or, you know, something in our life happens and we get shaken. They prayed with boldness and where they were at was shaken. Shouldn't we pray for the ground that we stand on to be shaken by him instead of shaken by the world? They came together and they prayed in boldness. When is the last time you were praying and the ground shook? Think of that. When is the last time you prayed and the ground shook? When is the last time the church came together and prayed and the ground shook? It's something we need to think about as we go forward. We will come together or we will pray independently because something's going on and we're shaken because of the world, but we won't come together and pray to be shaken by God. That's where we should be. That's what we should be looking at in our life is to be shaken by God. And the one thing we know, we know when God's, some, we know when God's in a place. We we know when God's moving, and and a lot of times we may hey, God's moving, and, and you may feel little tremors, you know, like the earthquake's coming. Well, I think the earthquake's coming. I think the earthquake is coming, and we feel these tremors, and we see the movement of God, and we can feel the movement of God, but he hasn't totally shaken his ground yet. He hasn't totally shaken. And I think as a church, we need to seek God so that he will shake each and every one of us. You know, our world needs to know that God's still alive. Our churches need to know that God is still on the move. Our churches in the U.S. need to be shaken. We need revivals. I remember growing up watching revivals. Imagine what would happen in today's world if the churches came together and God shook the ground where they were at. Imagine what would happen inside churches and inside communities around this U.S. And I think it's interesting, it said that all were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine every community, if everyone who came to church was fully filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine what households would look like? What communities would look like? And yes, when you accept Jesus, The Holy Spirit indwells within you. But I think when he said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, means they were doing what the Holy Spirit called them to do. Which is a big difference than what we do in our life each and every day. We know we have the Holy Spirit, but do we always listen, and do what the Spirit calls us to do? Imagine if we were all filled with the Spirit and did what the Spirit called us to do. What would your house look like? Would there be anyone in your household that wasn't saved? Would there be anyone, any of your neighbors not saved? What about your communities, your schools, your workplace? It was a movement of God. that shook the church, and they went and started shaking the people around them. Do we shake the people around us? Do we affect change in people's lives because We're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and we're doing everything the Spirit calls us to do. I think it's something we need to work on, and it's not just us. It's the American church. It is the church in America today that, like I said, has been so full of consumerism and everything else that we forgot to get back to the basics. We forgot to get back to coming together Praying together, being generous together, and evangelizing and telling people about Jesus. That's what we're all called to do. But man, we'll do everything but that, won't we? I'm a little busy today, I'm sorry. Well, I went to church once this, once this month. Why well, I, I said a prayer over my meal. I said, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God, that counts, right? Well, I know these people are hurting over here, and I know their life's falling apart, and well, God, can you help them? And then you move on? We need to pray to be shaken by God. We need to pray for people to be saved. We need to pray and tell people about Jesus. This is what we see in this early church. This is what they were doing. And the reason they were able to do it, we find that in verse 32. In verse 32, it gives a picture of what would truly change the image of the church today. And it says this, all the believers were of one heart and mind. Everyone was on the same page. Everyone was on. Now, now, understand, this is a totally different scenario than we, what we saw last week in the church in Corinth, right? They were all against each other. The church in the book of Acts was all together. They were on the same page, they were going in the same direction. Now, I want you to understand, it doesn't mean that they were robots. That's not what it means. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, they all agreed and they didn't have any issues. It just meant that the main things were the main things. And they were on the same page for what mattered for God. They were on the same page for what they were supposed to be doing in their life. And that's what brought that unity. You know, it's clear that they were unified together in everything that they did. They had unity in in generosity. They were unified. in in their testimony, and they were unified in their cooperation for each other. Verse 32 tells us this, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, I want you to understand, that's just not a statement of cooperation. That's just not a cooperation. I think that's sacrificial love. And the reason I say that is, what's one of the first things babies learn how to say? Mine. Right? Think about it. We don't teach them that, but boy, you break out some toys, mine. Well, what about adults? That's mine. This is mine. You can't have this because this is mine. They had that sacrificial love where they didn't take it as it was theirs. Everything belonged to everybody. Now, and think about as you go through this life, if you know, we, we get so caught up with this mind and we hold on and we hold on tightly, what if we held on to things with open hands? Because you think about it, if our hands were open and if it's something that God can use to glorify him, he can take it out of our hands. It all comes from him anyways, right? So if we're not holding on tightly, he can now use anything that he's given me to glorify him. But it's being willing to say it's not not mine. It belongs to him. But we will hold on to things so tightly in this life and we won't allow God to use our skills, our talents, the gifts that he has given us, we will hold on to so tightly that we won't let him use it to glorify his own name. We need to stop holding on to things tightly because everything belongs to him. And yes, we all have grown up with mine, mine, mine. And I'll admit, there's still times today I'm, no, that's mine. And if you ask to use my vehicle, I'll kind of, uh okay, well. Uh, I'm preaching it, so I guess I got to. Here's my keys. (laughs) I'm going to be, no, I ain't giving up the Harley. (laughs) You better have a clean motorcycle license. (laughs) But we will hold on to things that tightly. Instead of just opening our hands and letting God use us to glorify him. We need to come together as one, have that sacrificial love that he calls us to do. You know, it's not, what's, it's not saying what's mine is yours. It's, hey, it's God's. If he wants you to use it, he's going to let you use it. You know, that's what it should come down to. And I think if we each willingly placed ourselves in service of others like we see the early church do, it would change people's lives. And I think that's something we can still do today. And and as soon as we realize that the church is more about Him than us, it's more about glorifying His name than doing what we want to do. Because God's will should always be what we're looking for inside the church. We should be looking at His will being done. Not mine, not yours, but His. So we don't get caught up on that. And Thomas Constable, in his commentary on this verse, he actually said this, said the unity of believers extended beyond spiritual matters to physical, material matters. And this generosity with material and physical needs also extended uh, to others outside the church community. So it wasn't just about being brothers and sisters in Christ. This extended out to the community. Just as we extend out to our community through the brown box ministry through giving food, through the clothes closet of giving clothes, whether it's going out and helping do a beach cleanup, you know, if it's doing the school supplies, you know, and giving them away to the school, toy drive to give to the uh, underprivileged around Christmas time. That's going beyond the church. That's doing what we should be doing that we're reaching out to the community. It's not about us and forget them. They need the kingdom of heaven just as much as we do and as much as we did. So it's our job to make sure we do what we're called to do. Verse 33, I actually like this part. The the church went out and they spread the word of God with boldness. They were bold in what they do. In verse 31, we saw that. And also in verse 33, it says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So between verse 31 and 33, it tells us that the people weren't quiet about their faith. They were not quiet about their faith. They went out and they boldly preached the word of God. They went out and they spoke of what God has done in their life and what God was doing through them and through the church. They were bold about it. They didn't hide it. They weren't closet Christians. They came out of the closet on who they were. I am a Christ follower, and let me tell you about my Jesus. It wasn't worrying about what the other person would say. Well, are they going to be my friends, are they not going to like me? I'm going to let them know about Jesus. Because they're going to know what Jesus did in my life. And they're going to know what Jesus is still doing in my life. And each one of us should be bold when we do that. You know, we we see that they had the power of God and they witnessed of this great grace that God had, that God gave them. And, And think about it. What's your testimony? Not only what's your testimony, when is the last time you gave your testimony to somebody? When is the last time you sat with someone and said, I've been right where you're at. Let let me tell you, I was right there. And, And then I met Jesus. And after I met Jesus, this is what he's done in my life. So I know where you're at, but I know where you can get with him. And he's not done. We're still moving forward and we're still going on. And you talk about that great grace that you received. Are you still receiving that great grace? Because you think about this is a great grace that we received the day we went from this person to meeting Jesus. We received his great grace. We were sinners and we fall short of glory of God as we still do today. But do we still receive that great grace now that we're over here, or do we kind of forget about it? It's available to us all the time. We just got to receive it. And when we receive it, we need to continue to share. Guess what? It's not mine. Open your hands and let someone else take it. Allow that great grace that you receive to go to others. Let it be part of your testimony. Their love for one another was to the point of this sacrificial, of sacrificing all their material things for the sake of God. When's the last time we sacrificed anything for God? When's the last time we sacrificed anything for somebody else instead of ourselves? Early church knew and did exactly what Jesus said in John thirteen thirty-five. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. if you love one another. Their witness, their witness need to be both, that proclamation of the work that had been done in them, combined with that faithful love for each other. That love for each other was part of their testimony. Our love for each other should be part of our testimony. Verse 34 and 35 say this. For there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Again, looking out for others instead of themselves. They were looking out for somebody else. So question, question, With all this that we talked about today, how are you doing on it? How are you doing on it? Does the area that you pray get shaken when you pray? And I want to go back and look. Look at what they prayed for. They prayed for God to take notice of what was going on. Now, we all know God already knows, but he still wants to hear from us. They prayed for God to take notice. They prayed for God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with the Holy Spirit and then for God to intervene. And this whole time they took on a servant, this humbling attitude of a servant before their master. They humbled themselves before God and brought their requests to him. Does your prayer life look like that? Even a better question, does the prayer life of this church look like that? And as the pastor, I'll sadly say no. Individually, yes. We have some prayer warriors in this house. And as I said before, every Wednesday I'm right here in this house praying. But does this church together looked like this church that had the ground shaken when they were praying. It's something I think we need to think about. Do we proclaim God boldly? And are you generous with everything that God's given you? And basically all this boils down to this simple question. When we say we're a Christian, do people believe you're a Christ follower as the way the world looks at a Christ follower? Or do they look at you as a, Christ follower who shows the love of Christ? Because a lot of us may be that Christ follower that the world says is a hypocrite, but how many of us really show his love to one another in everything we do? Think about it. You could be the only Bible somebody ever reads. Think about that. You may be the only Bible anyone ever reads, When they have that conversation with you, are they getting God's word Bible or are they getting the world Bible? We need to make sure they're getting God's word. We need to be bold in what we do and live that life as a Christian should live that life. As I said, we need to reclaim, we got to reclaim the historic Christian expressions of prayer, generosity, and evangelism. And and as I look at all that that we saw today, I got to thinking about, what can we do? I think as a church, we need to pray together. We need to be generous and we need to tell people about Jesus and be bold about it. We need to evangelize. And, And the one thing I said is as a church, I don't think we come together and pray very well. So I'm starting a life group. Basically, I'm starting a prayer group. Haven't figured out when. It's probably going to be on a Tuesday night, about 7 o'clock, but we'll figure it out. But start a prayer group where we can come in together as a church and we can take all the prayer requests that come into this church and we can pray over them out loud together. We can pray over the needs of the church. We can pray over the needs of this country and whatever else the Holy Spirit lays on our hearts. But come together and corporately pray the way a church should pray. So I will let you know if you're interested in being part of the prayer group, let me know. You can let me know after church or in the bulletin. My phone number is on the back page. Send me a text message, hey, I'd like to go. Just give me your name and day and time that would be best for you. And once we figure out some people who are going to be in it, then we can collectively come up with a time that we can get the most people together to come together and make the ground shake. Make the ground shake with our prayer and start shaking not only this church, but the community in our own homes on top of it. Remember, effective prayer, generosity, and evangelism should be present as we live out a faithful presence in our church and in our community. That's what we're called to do. And, you know, sometimes these messages are kind of hard, and so maybe sitting here going, man, I don't know Jesus. I don't know if I can do all this. Well, if that's where you're sitting at today, I want to let you know, as you can tell, we don't do it all either. We mess up also. We hold on to things too tightly. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. We're not going to be perfect till the day we meet Jesus face to so, face. So if you're sitting there saying, well, I don't think I can do this. Well, join the crowd. We struggle with it each day. We fight the same battles. We we don't pray the way we should. We're not as generous as we should be. And we don't tell people about Jesus the way we should. So you'll be in good company. So if you don't know Jesus, I would encourage you, you know, don't don't try and wait to get it all together. Like I said, we're all sinners and we all fall short of glory of God. However, that great grace that he gives us, It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the beginning. All of this other stuff, being able to pray, being able to be generous, telling people about Jesus, it comes more more and more the more mature you get. But I will tell you, telling what Jesus has done in your life, you could be saved today and go tell someone today what Jesus did in your life because you still have a testimony the day you accept Jesus. So I encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus, whether you're here in the room or joined us for church online, make that move today. Today is the day of your salvation. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And if you're in this room and you pastor, man, you've been reading my text messages been following me on Facebook you got all of my business today want to let you know none of that that's the Holy Spirit convicting you if the Holy Spirit is convicting you it means you've got the Holy Spirit but now it means you got to do something you got to make them steps to do what he calls you to do and it's not always easy in his life, because life gets in the way. Tell life to get out of the way, and it's time that we punch fear into faith in the face, and say that our faith is bigger than our fear, and we move forward. Punch fear in the face to, uh, Punch fear in the face today. Tell it it's time to go, because your faith is bigger than that. Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you. Lord, whether they're here in the room or joined us for church online or watching a video of this, Lord, Lord, I ask that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we will be bold in preaching and talking about your word, that we won't hold on to things too tightly and we'll open our hands so that you can use everything you've given us to glorify you. Lord, may we be generous with everything we have, that we don't get stuck in that addiction of greed, but that we transform that greed into generosity, and that we will give our time, our talents, and resources to your kingdom. And Lord, that we will pray to be shaken instead of praying because we are shaken. And may we seek you in everything that we do. And Lord, I just ask that you make them make that move. If they've never accepted Jesus, that they'll come forward today and make today the day of their salvation. Or Lord, convict them with the Holy Spirit where they'll come up here and leave it at the altar. Leave whatever they've been holding on to too tightly, Lord, and give it back to you. And that they will make the changes to be the church that you call us to be, not the church we're trying to make it. But that will we be your church and do what you call us to do. And make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to...